Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Viral Music Hub podcast. Uh, my name is Lawrence, and I uh, kind of apologize about the uh, the delay between the last episode and this episode. Been Obviously, as many of you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my personal life, uh, especially my grandfather's passing. Uh, so it was, it was a little, like, kind of hard to get going again. But uh, here we are again. We're back. And I'm happy to be back with uh, one of my new uh, really good friends in the music uh, industry community, I guess you could say right now. Um, please welcome uh, Entropy in Motion. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. And now I, I got to ask where now, where did you come up with Entropy in Motion? Like as your your sta- I guess your stage name or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, actually it's a statement of my faith. Um, it came out of Corinthians, which it says, um, although outwardly our bodies are wasting away inwardly, we are being renewed. And I just kind of took that even just outside of that realm of, I think all of us as, um, as humans, we don't sit and fret about getting older. We just do what we need to do on a daily basis. You know, whether that's pursue a dream or make a, living or whatever it is we just go out and do what we need to do regardless I, it kind of I, just talks about resilience of the human of of, the, of humans man really yeah that, so that takes on a more broader thing than just that oh I, I, that's actually really neat uh, i i never even thought of like there was like a religious uh aspect behind that i thought it was just like a really cool name that he picked out and it sounded cool <laughs> as i was like i like that i'm like oh man entry emotion that's a pretty badass name i'm like <laughs> thanks uh, well, was, it is it is kind of on the darker side which i like anyway so yeah. you know so so you uh so you're kind of yeah, i guess you're a man of uh you know like a uh, catholic faith christian faith I guess you could say, yeah. or uh, very cool. My, my grandmother is, yeah. uh, my grandmother, I grew up, you know, I grew up very like Catholic. My grandmother's like a, a very Catholic person. So I, I, I never really was a big like Bible reader or anything. So, you know, I, I like can't, I can't say I like know a lot of those verses like that. Like, but uh, I think that's pretty neat that you took that as like an inspiration for like a, like a stage name. I think that's really neat. I haven't heard much of that in terms of people finding a, a name for themselves and, in music so that's pretty that's pretty cool i never heard that before yeah totally i I would say i'm still kind of fringe even within that because i mean i still listen to metal and you know stuff like that black sabbath all that kind of stuff so you know yeah the devil's music how dare you you're you're a hypocrite exactly (laughs) what's wrong with you i I can't believe you man Uh, this yeah that's pretty funny now now and it's funny we talked about this before uh the show um and i i found it funny it's like this is actually my first go around of me interviewing another podcast host now tell me about this so you host another podcast like what so what do you do on this said podcast name of the podcast everything okay so the name of the podcast is the decibels deep podcast um and honestly i mean Initially, starting a podcast, I had the same idea you had um, doing the interviewing indie artists, but I don't have the personality for it. And so I thought, you know, why don't I just talk about albums or bands, you know, and focus more on the albums that are lesser known, even from popular bands, and figure give them a little bit of attention. So that's kind of what I do. I just and I don't really go in depth. I go, you know, kind of surface level information. And then I do a little bit of uh, personal thoughts on it or whatever. 
And I kind of really keep it kind of surface level because the whole point is to keep it short and simple and get people into um, checking out the music for themselves. I just want to pique their interest. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I love, and I love the idea of your show. Like, and I, I need to listen to it. And when I, I've been putting it off and I need to listen to it because that's like right up my alley. I love talking about albums and analyzing albums because I think it's very fascinating to look at a period of an artist's work and see where they went direction wise and musically, like where they went with it and, and the songwriting aspects of it and everything. Um, you know, what was like, and now what was like your latest, uh, ones that you did were talking about i i was like curious i wasn't sure i think i saw it but i can't remember what it was uh the last one i done a couple days ago was uh the album um waiting for the punchline by extreme and it was actually that whole era of that band um i focused on that because there was a lot of uh non-album singles and an ep a japanese only ep that had some great stuff on it so i i did that one that era it very interesting and now because like I, I find that very interesting because extreme is a band I, I i you don't really see talked about a lot um it, 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 i guess in terms of today like you just don't really see them mentioned and that because they, they kind of were in that that era of like i guess like 80s and 90s but like they were they kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit between like the the end of like the the rock movement in the 80s into like the grunge movement into like the the 90s and they kind of got caught in between i i felt like and then obviously you know uh, i think you get gary gets a lot of flack for the the awful van halen album you know and and i i think that's like really unfair because it was not just his fault it was that was just a whole um just a whole disgustingly bad production of (laughs) of every every sort of bad music uh, production thing you could do it was pretty much on that album so uh, i mean it, it was it was just awfully terribly produced album and you know I, I know gary gets probably gets a lot of sharon gets a lot of um uh flack for that <laughs> that and you kind of a lot of people were kind of remembering for that and not as much of the the extreme stuff that's actually good <laughs> that's exactly right and that's why i focused on that album it's very much um i wouldn't say it's maligned but a lot of people don't give it it's uh it's due because it's a lot different from the other stuff. And as much as I like them as musicians, I say that in the episode too, uh, that's really the only era of the bands that I listened to. Not that they weren't great in the other era. It just, it just wasn't something that I was into, but when that album came out, I got really into that one. Yeah. I, I like, it's like I said, I just like, I really love doing, um, like album analysis and now like where were you like uh what albums did you have in mind that you thought you were gonna like did you really would you really want to cover like in the future or some that really uh stick out to you that that and maybe like influenced you like really a lot or or something that really caught your eye um again another era because there was an album and an ep it would be the motley crew self-titled from 94 and the quaternary EP with John Karabi as a singer. And also I want to focus on early Red Hot Chili Peppers when they had, um, you know, um, Hillel. Hillel Slovak, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yep. and, um, and Jack, um, I can't Jack. think, Jack Irons was the drummer, but there's yeah. another guy yeah. that was a guitar player on the first album. And so that song, Get Up and Jump, just the, the guitar at the beginning is really influential to me. So I, I want to focus on that era because, I got picked on a lot in school for 
liking the red hot chili peppers before they were cool yeah yeah it's funny i was literally just talking about early chili peppers with um uh, another podcast guest i i always found that they're very different very different um era for that band um in terms of sound they i mean they always had like i said before they've always had like funk elements to their music but they were a funk band i mean they they that was that iteration of their period that was a funk band and and they were very much in in that realm i mean i mean they did funk covers for god's sakes you know i mean well, you know yeah I mean, they did the slide slide in the family stone cover and the um you know and they obviously did it a little later on they did the stevie wonder cover you know too so they always had that influence you know they, they but they just leaned a lot more into it in the early 80s mid 80s um, yeah, I mean, they had Jack Sherman was the name of the guitar player, Sherman, but George Clinton actually produced Freaky Styley. So, yeah, they were pretty yeah. funky. That's what got me uh, into them. Right. Yeah, they were just, yeah, they were really like, they leaned into it a lot. And, and uh, yeah, and Hoel was a really, really good guitar player. Like a lot of people don't realize how good he was, you know, it, like, and John, and I love John, you know, John was just, is a fucking wizard. I mean, and still is. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just like on another realm of music making um but you you know hillel was a really really great guitar player and uh and he is funny like uh i always i always thought it was interesting that the he uh and when they had the um what was the song on um the uh oh my god i always forget this is the place and and, uh they uh and anthony keys pretty much wrote that song about hillel slovak likes like in how that whole deal happened and how he basically Anthony Key is handled it by just doing more drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> a pretty, it's a pretty morbid song, but it's really good. It, it's on that that um, was it can't stop right the can't stop album. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe it's it's on that same album. Um, yeah, no, yeah, Hall was a really good player, and yeah, I like really like that era of Red Hot Chili Peppers too, because like I said, they're just very different um you know yurtle the turtle <laughs> yep yep, yep. You know, yeah all that type of stuff it was like really deep different and really cool um uptown yeah the up the up oh god i always forget the name of the album uh the party plan <laughs> or oh the uh, mobile party plan yeah, party plan yeah yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's another good album too for, uh, during that era so that, oh, that's yeah. really that's really neat i'm looking forward to that um but let's talk more about you I, and i want to talk more about what you've been doing music wise i mean I, I the way you churn out music is crazy to me it's like it feels like every other week you have something new coming out <laughs> how do you do it man I, it's incredible i mean like your output of music is just phenomenal like i, I i've never seen anything like it I, I see people struggled even to make on you know an ep in like months and you're it seems like you're just like boom 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 granted you don't you know you don't do a lot of vocals and stuff you know so it's definitely a little easier to track stuff but how do you how do you do it man like how do you how is your uh your motivation is it is it like music making is that like a is like a process of like uh that really helps you and you that's why you do it a lot yeah um so i think for me uh, i'm i'm notoriously perfectionist and an overthinker and so all my life, I've lived very cerebrally. So with music, I wanted to be different and I wanted it to be more visceral. And so one of the reasons why I have such a high output is I don't overthink anything and I keep everything minimalist. I just kind of want to go counter to what is intuitive to me. And um, I feel like it's worked out. So, I mean, obviously, 
if I need to edit something, re-record something, I'll do that. But I don't, um, I just kind of want that part to be in the moment and then I could go back and listen to it when I need to and, yeah. and just have good memories associated with it. So yeah. it's very counterintuitive process for yeah. me. Yeah. So, so you basically do the George Costanza opposite method. <laughs> <laughs> good way. Of and, it. Everything you think, you just do the opposite of what, what, what. <laughs> <laughs> just just yeah, don't you know just don't do what you're thinking just do go the other way <laughs> that's exactly what it is man it's 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 a way of challenging myself is not to always rely on my 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 normal propensities proclivities oh, oh yeah you know and i and i completely understand that coming from a notorious overthinker and anxiety ridden human being as myself um i am in my own head a lot and I, there's yep. just a lot of thoughts that stew up there <laughs> And you can very easily get into those, well, what if this doesn't sound good? Like, what if this doesn't, or, or maybe, oh, maybe I should do this, but, oh, but maybe I should do that. You know, sometimes you just got to like stick with your, your gut and just, just go with it. And, and I, I think when, when you, you're an overthinker, you know, we're, you know, we're both in that, that realm. Uh, you just kind of get that propensity, like you said, to just try to go all these different ways at once. When and you, and then you can't really find one direction, and and then sometimes you just gotta throw all that away and then just kind of do what your heart's feeling. I, I think. And yeah, agreed. And that's kind of the approach because being an overthinker, you know, and being an introvert, you want these quiet times, these this huge amount of space. And I can't always have that, but I didn't want that uh, overthinking to come out in my guitar playing. I didn't want a whole million notes. I mean, I could easily play a million notes a second if I wanted to, but I wanted that space because it's kind of reflective of what I kind of want, you know, the space to think, the time to think, you know, some tranquility. So I take my songwriting and guitar playing approach more that, more of a less is more. And if maybe there's um, some stuff that I want to do fancier on down the line, I'll do it. But for me, first and foremost, it's what suits the song. And, and something I've always said, and I, and I hope to hold to all the time is I never want ego to uh, be play a, um, a guest spot on any of my music. So I, I love, I love that because, and I, and I see it in your music because you let things breathe. Like I like to use that term. Like I, when I listen to your music, it, it feels like, yeah, it's nothing as it felt. It doesn't feel like things are forced. Like you're not forcing things into a song that don't belong there or like, like you're just, it does, there's not some meaningless solo that makes no sense or, you know, there's no, it's just everything. It ties together. Well, what you do, I feel. And, um, and I think that's something that when, especially if you're like a technically gifted player, which I'm not, <laughs> but so it's actually easier for me to be minimalist, minimalist because I don't have the like propensity to be some crazy shredder like or anything like that i mean i don't get me wrong i'm not terrible i'm like i'm not terribly guitarist i can do some things but i'm no, by no means some of these like sweet pickers that you know and mm-hmm. I, I can't i can't do that stuff so why am i gonna try to and why am i gonna try to do something that uh, i feel like is gonna stomp, sound shoehorned in a in a piece i do you know exactly I, yeah right when i yeah i'll mess around and do something like that and just be like yeah, yeah whatever blah, 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 you know but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know put it into a song that just doesn't belong and you know and i feel like a lot of and i've, I've discussed this before on the show i feel like a lot of technically gifted guitar players can fall into that trap of here's what i can do mm-hmm. nobody 
needs to see what you can do. They want to hear what sounds good and yep. and matches with their what they something they want to feel. You want to connect to people with music. I feel like that's the important part of music. I, I mean, and if not connecting to anybody, connect to yourself. You know, and I'm not saying don't do shred tracks. Like I'm, I love shredding. It, it sounds great. I but don't do it when it doesn't make sense. That's exactly it. Um, for the most part, most of my discography is mellow, but I have a few EPs, a few songs that are heavier. One in particular, Chernobyl's Ghost, has a little bit more lead stuff, um, some more advanced technique like um, uh, selective picking. So I have a few songs with those, but even then, I just kind of throw them in very little, you know. Um, I don't make too much of a statement with it. It's just enough to garnish a song, do something a little bit different. Um, and, you know, as far as like sweep picking and stuff, it's funny. I've been talking to somebody about that for a while, and, and it's something I can do. But it's not really anything, I mean, never say never, but I don't foresee myself ever throwing one in a song. I'm not sure. Right. Because it doesn't make, yeah, for you, it, like you're what you're playing, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. Like it's, it's like, this doesn't work with what you're, you're already doing. And yeah. And like I said, you know, I think I said people can fall into that trap easily of throwing something that doesn't belong there. You know, it's, it's sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, Less is more, like you said. Less is more. Minimalist is sometimes good. And you got to sometimes know when to stop. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, that's well yeah. said. And for me, I, I think that's why I sometimes have a disconnect with a lot of these, um, like, prog metal bands that have, like, like 20-minute songs of this, like, dissonant guitar. Because it's just, for me, after a while, it's just, like, you're beating it feels like for me it's like beating a dead horse and it just doesn't connect with me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and that's you know that's my opinion but like, i got you know i'm not saying it's i'm i'm right or anything but no totally and that's you know i mean i listen to a lot of music so I, for me i i even love like hour-long stoner songs or you know jazz pieces i love long epic songs i really do and i and i love a lot of good technique and these players who can shred um, but yeah, it's just something that, um, if that's what I'm going for, even just as being a listener, then I'll, I'll do that. But I really like to hear guitar players and just musicians in general with what they do with the empty spaces. You know, it's kind of like, what do you do when you have free time on your hands? Right. You know, are you being destructive with your free time Are you, you know, or, or productive? And so I kind of look at music, at least the way I write it the same way. And what am I going to do with these empty spaces? That's that's a very good thing to you know talk about. It, it's like it, it's when to let, like you said, it's when to let things breathe and when to let things you know, and when to build things up. You know, sometimes those spaces are are good ways to build up another part of your song, or wind down a part of your song. That you yeah, just you, you know that's the thing you know people kind of forget it's like there's not only a crescendo but there's a descendo you know and it, it's a and that's what you know we were taught when i was in you know concert band in school you know it's like it's there's the up but there's got to be the down too you know it sometimes sometimes the down's got to be there and 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 it's like and like you said it's like what it's what you do with that space it's you know, it, it, it's it's filling it's it's not filling space with just meaningless, you know, meaningless riffs that don't 
you know, work with the songs, not in the right key, you know, or, or whatever. It just, and it sounds like crap. And, and it's not like you said, I think some people struggle, definitely struggle with that. And it's something that, you know, you have to be very keenly aware of when making music is, is not suffocating, yes. not suffocating your listeners. No, that's, that's a hundred percent. I feel at least for me, uh, being self-aware as a musician really is, uh, just as much a, a, a technique as sweep picking for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I saw talk about, it was like, you know, the, the guitar players, you know, doing the crazy, like a lot of the crazy techniques and just filling them in there just to put them in there. And, but it's not just them. It's the producers that want to layer, you know, a hundred things together. And it's like, I'm sorry, but I don't love the wall of sound approach. Mm-hmm. I, I sure know the Beatles didn't when, Phil Spector went and basically did his own thing to the long and winding road. And I'm not, I'm not, I know Paul McCartney sure as hell didn't like it. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, he had a, you know, he had, cause he had a direction with that song he wanted to go in. Spector was like, well, let's just add an orchestra and let's add this and just make it big. It's like, but it wasn't supposed to be a big song. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Did it become a hit? Yeah. But that wasn't the, what the songwriter wanted you know like it wasn't you know he didn't want that that wasn't the direction he intended to go with the song it was just a lot a lot of wall of sound just to be added in there and i never really loved that approach and i i do tend to feel like um some pop music um stuff can get really what like just swallowed up by a lot of that um I don't know if you know what, like kind of what I'm talking about, but like, no, I totally do. Just, mm-hmm. just layers and layers of harmonies and just sound. It's just like, oh my goodness, like whoa, like scale this back a little bit. Yes, let's, no. Let's, I want to, I want to hear these vocals. I don't want it just. It's like this. It's like you're in water. It, it almost feels like some of these songs. It almost feels like you're like in water, and yeah, and you're like hearing the vocals, but you're not really hearing the vocals you're like hearing everything around it and you're not really hearing the complete picture at in that point. No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, uh, those are things again, uh, to go back to the podcast that I do, I, I will touch on certain producers um, where you could hear them from one band to another, how they put so much of their fingerprint on it. I'm not even sure if I'm listening to band a or band B sometimes because it's, there's too much fingerprint of the producer on there at times. Yeah, I it's you know, like I said, it's like it's not just the instrumental players that could do this, you know, with the song. It's it's the producers too. Like a lot of that goes into production and how much you you layer on and how much you you track onto something and you just you know it's just all this extra stuff. Sometimes it just doesn't need to be there, and and, um, and I think it just really could clutter up a song and and really to me take me out of it completely at times. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I've had a, excuse me, a lot of people sometimes on certain songs uh, ask me why I didn't do a solo here. And I just kind of let the drums or whatever take over in it. And sometimes, you know, my answer to that is, well, I put too much effort into programming the drums with all these little simple changes, you know, to not be heard. So I I don't always want to build with the guitar. Like I I have to remind myself that I'm, I'm also, um, a producer and a, and a musician, not just a guitarist. And, and that's right. hard for me to remember sometimes. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Because like you're, you're, you're selfishly as a, as you know, you're playing that instrument. You're like, Oh, well, I want, I want to show my, you know, I want myself to be highlighted. 
you know, what I'm actually playing to be highlighted. But like sometimes like those drum tracks could really bring out even more in your in your own playing and and actually make the song completely better <laughs> yeah, or that exactly. or, or like a killer baseline that you find that that could really drive the the song to another level i mean i think we you know especially bass man i, I think uh, we all really underestimate how much bass can really change a a bass section can completely change a song and make it and put it to another level um i mean i you know maybe i'm a little bias i used to play trombone when i was in uh you know, i was in band so i have that little bass bias for that the you know bass doesn't get any love <laughs> you know no i i i tell you it can have so much flavor whether it's it's doing its own thing under a riff or if it's mimicking the riff just to add more um to the riff it uh i i feel like the bass is very important and should very much be uh part of the mix Oh, and that's why I've always, you know, had a you know propensity for funk music, you know, because they they were always they always they always always emphasized the bass player. I mean, they, bass was such a big thing, you know, for for funk, you know, because they that's drives home the whole that's the whole backbone of that music, and they 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 don't forget it, and uh, and it's uh I think that's just like really cool to me, and like some of my favorite bands have just like amazing bass players, like like you know for me it's like like black sabbath you have geezer butler i mean he's just, just oh, yeah. A, yeah i mean just just an absolute legend i mean some of those songs i mean they literally had a bass solo before nib you know on the on the <laughs> album and it's it's an incredible um and then you know billy gould from faith no more you know is he's another one i think just who doesn't get nearly enough credit and he was amazing for that band um but so many you know it's just like a bass bass can really um to really change a, a tune for you I, I don't care what genre it doesn't matter what genre any genre <laughs> i wholeheartedly agree i mean and that's one of the reasons why i'm really into funk and reggae um yeah, uh, very much the same way. yeah i yeah reggae too you know it's it's like i said it's the backbone of that it's a bass is a big backbone of, of reggae and the whole rhythm and you know section is just so important to reggae mm-hmm. yeah because that's what it, yeah you know it's it's that's the whole, basically the whole song is rhythm, you know, based most of yeah. the time for, with reggae. So, so yeah. And, yeah, and that's good that you talk about that because about not letting one instrument dominate over another. Cause you know, I think, I think that's the important thing you have to remember too, is just, just mixing everything. So, so not one thing is like completely dominating the, the song. Yeah, I mean, that that doesn't mean maybe one day, again, like I said earlier, that I'm not going to have this really guitar-driven track with a little bit more flair. I mean, maybe yeah. that time will come. I don't know. It's just It all just depends on, again, what's best for the song. But, um, you I know, thought- I'm, I'm still just cutting my teeth on being a, um, an audio engineer, so I'm just learning everything on the fly as I go, so... Uh, I tell I tell you, you've been doing a damn good job because uh, I I liked every single thing I've listened to you, you know from you. Um, I, this new this, so this new uh, these new two singles that you did are are pretty damn awesome. Um, and actually, complete departure from I think the stuff that you've done lately, um, uh, Denizens of Dust and um, uh, Cap. I'm sorry, what the second one was? Um, I is it- Cap Rock Illusion. Yes, yes. I always that was, that title always throws me um, for some reason. Um, but yeah, man, this so this uh, Denizens of Dust, the the both those songs, 
And I mean, this is to me, those songs are that's stoner doom, like to the max. The first Denizens of Dust is more that like slow, slow burn uh stoner metal, like of a like kind of like a Caius or you know, uh Fu Manchu, that that sort of that sort of deal. Um yep. and then and then you the second song, you know, Cap Progress is more of like a like a speedier approach to it, like a speedier, like doom, like stoner type of vibe. It's not as, it's not as like slow and, uh, um, plotty, you know, and yeah, I don't mean plotty in a bad way. Like, I mean, no, like, not at all. Yeah. So like, what, like, what, like, so you're a very, like, I can tell you're very influenced by that, that era of music. I can, t- I can pretty much guarantee you're probably like a big Caius fan. I'm, and we're, you know, Queens of the stone age, I, I would gather um yeah definitely josh homie is a big influence on me um pretty much anything in the stoner doom genre um of course it goes back to tony iomi and and tony board from budgie i mean i would consider budgie in that in that category as well and um bands like blue cheer all these people that um kind of made metal what it is today yeah definitely Yeah, a little corrosions of conformity in there too. Uh, I, I I would say, and they were you know they were kind of that in that sort of realm too back in the nineties. Um, yeah, but- actually, um, with this single, um, I'm hoping to make it again another five track EP. And the biggest um, one of the biggest guitar players I had in mind was actually Pepper Keenan uh, from the Down Two album. Is that that really is an album that influences me a lot? Oh, really cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um yeah, I, I tell you, there's like this this uh these two new songs are just like you know, because you kind of like the last few releases you did were very like um kind of mellow, like very um relaxing music. Like I, I love it too. Like the, the stuff that you were doing uh recently was very very mellow, very relaxing. Um uh, I'm I always I just gotta like look up the names of the songs. There's so many of them, but um, uh, it's I always like the uh, but yeah, the one song before the, the Cafezinho uh, uh, on the la and your last EP from Corverberat um, was really interesting. Um, very interesting track. It's like, how did you go from that to like this? <laughs> you know, like. Well, like it's just amazing to me, like how how versatile you are, and I think that's such a like credit to you as a musician, how versatile you can be with with your music. Honestly, it's just where my head is, um, and and to be honest with you, I was never meant to do mellow music. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was uh, I taught myself how to be an audio engineer with my first EP, and it was so much easier for me to do mellow music than heavy music, mm. and I figured I have all this stuff out there. Um, I have this five song EP, I might as well release it. And um, then I kind of got a following and they liked this mellow stuff. And, and so I kept doing this mellow stuff and um, with the hopes of getting heavier. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was just time to go into a heavier direction. I just felt that urge to do something heavy. And so I went that direction, really just as simple as that. I, I have respect it. I mean, I mean, because like I, to be even not like me really meaning to make that mellow music and to make it sound so good. I, I mean, that's a testament to you. I mean, that's, that's incredible that you weren't really even aiming to do that kind of music, but you kind of figured out how to do it 
and it felt easier to do, you know, and, and sometimes it's funny, like, you know, I think sometimes we, we could be fans of these really different kinds of stuff, but sometimes we find it easier to do things that we're not usually listen, listening to. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's kind of weird how that works. Sometimes I feel like that, that could work like that. And I also thought, found it funny too. Like you, um, it seems like you run into this pattern a lot of people liking songs that you had no idea that they would like. <laughs> why do you yeah. think, why do you think that is like, I, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. Because, um, you know, when you hear people always like, oh, that's my jam. Like, that's my tune right there. I think that's just kind of their way of saying that. Like, it might not be one of my personal favorites, but to somebody else, it might just reach them in a different way. Maybe it catches them on a good day or or it helps them in some kind of way. And so um, there's um, really one song in particular that I have that. I wrote that when I was 15 and on my first EP and I, I felt like I owed it to my 15 year old self to put it on there, but it, I cringe every time I hear it, but I've had so many people say, Oh man, the language of tears. I love that song. I'm like, really? Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Cause I probably could dig up some old, old stuff that I wrote. I'd probably be like, Oh God, it's so bad. And then I like put it out and someone would probably be like, Oh, it's actually pretty good. I'm like, yeah okay dude all right no what you're fucking smoking but uh <laughs> no, and, that's, and that's that's what i like it's not selling the listener short it's not underestimating them and i really like that 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 not that i ever did um underestimate the listener because of course i do music because i first was a listener too but um it really is just a testament to the listener so oh yeah I it, that. yeah and and like this is why i've talked about this on the show before and it's like, don't throw away stuff. You would be surprised at what audience might actually like it. Like you, you would be shocked sometimes. Like you, what you think could absolutely sound like shit and could be, you think one of your worst songs you ever wrote. Somebody out there could be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yep. You don't know. Like, I, I know a lot of us as artists, I know we tend to, think you know and and it's true like we want to make music for ourselves right like we as creatives we want to express ourselves and yep. sometimes i think we feel like when we express we express something that didn't want to be didn't express the way exact way we thought we're like what a failure like i wanted to yeah. express i wanted to express this and i didn't feel like i got that so this can't be good I think that's a thing where it's a songwriting thing with, uh, with creatives that we need to just, we need to nip that in the bud sometimes. Like we're not the only ones listening to this stuff, you know, yeah. believe it or not. Like if you, if you release this out, other people will listen and they're going to get something completely different. Like you said, from, from that experience. And like some people will actually love it. And you just don't know, like you said, you don't know. And that's why, like, I, like I tell you, you know, don't throw things away. Like I have in the past, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, totally. you know, it's don't always throw things away. Like what you think may not sound great to you. It could sound really good to someone and maybe even change their, their perspective on something. You know, it's, it's crazy how creative art could work. And, you know, some of the stuff that we're not even crazy about just can be someone's like favorite thing ever. And that's, uh, yeah. 
you know, and th- you know, that's just, that's just the arts in general. That's, just, you know, subjectivity in the arts and everything. That's a whole nother podcast, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, but now I, I, I just find it very interesting. Like what just the amount of like, too, like I said, like the amount of music you put out and just the different types of music you put out all the time. It's just, it, there's just so many, so many different, different things you do. Um, yeah, like another song, like I, I know I told you and you're like, I hate this song. Was it was it Jemiah's Vu off uh, your self-titled EP? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so Jamais Vu, if you if you no, don't I, mind, I would kind of like to talk about. Oh, EP. absolutely. Please, please. Um, so I've been doing heavy music for a while. My last few EPs were heavy. I had no intention of making anything mellow. And so long story short, for about a week, two week period, on my commute back from work, from work back home, on the side of the road, I would see four sandhill cranes on the side of the road in this field. And granted, we see them all the time, but I have done this commute for years and I've never seen them so close to the fence line. And it was always four. And something just kept telling me there's a sign there. I got to pay attention to these four cranes. And I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. And um, that Thursday before I recorded it, because I recorded most of it on that Saturday, on a Saturday, the Thursday before that, I happened to be at work and I saw these four origami cranes with uh, love poetry written on them. So I unfolded them and I saw all this stuff on there. And I'm like, that's somebody's message in a bottle, you know, and it wasn't necessarily maybe meant for me personally, but it was meant for me to find them, I guess, in a way to tie in seeing these four Sandhill cranes on my way home every day. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take this as a sign and I'm going to channel that more mellow side again and go from there. And with that EP, it's kind of, um, I feel so connected to it because of that. But at the same time, there's a disconnect. Um, I had, uh, um, I went through uh, the loss of a brother at that time. And during that time uh, when he was in the hospital, I can't even believe I'm getting this personal, but when he was in the hospital uh, on that Friday, um, I missed my sister, my, I'm sorry, my daughter's uh, volleyball game that Saturday because I wanted to be here available in case you know, my mom or somebody needed me because my brother was in the hospital. So I couldn't just stay and pace around the house and worry. So I sat down and I um, did those three songs and uh, added, um, what is it, Weekend Burn, which was uh, something I had released in the summer. I tacked it onto there because it just made sense. So I, you know, usually I do five song EPs, but since I saw the four cranes and I saw the four origami cranes, I did four songs. And so being with all that, I feel really connected to it. But at the same time, because I was, you know, thinking about, you know, my brother at the time, you know, being sick, there's kind of a disconnect as well. I can vividly remember recording all that. And at the same time, I don't remember a thing. It's really weird. There's really this dichotomy with that. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, last thing about that. Uh, I'm sorry. But the last thing about that was when it when it finally came out, I would never had such a response, such listener, um, such streams, like all at once. I'd never had such an explosion of streams. Um, and the minute I released that, like I've, I, I haven't even seen those Sandhill cranes since. So that was, it was meant to be. Whoa. That's, that's wild. (laughs) That's, that is, whoa, that, that's crazy, man. Like I, Stuff like that, when that stuff like that happens, I sometimes I don't know, you know, like makes you it makes you question like 
everything like you know like like man like maybe there is you know something beyond us you know like you know it's it's like i i know i'm not trying to get like all philosophical and 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 everything here but like yeah i mean it, it is it's wild sometimes you know when things like that happen and then you never see it again yeah and, you know dur- especially during that time when your brother was going through that and you know and everything i it's it's crazy it's just it's just a crazy sign and i think that's really cool that you got that whole inspiration from that but yeah i 100 percent know what you mean like it's like you you were like your body was writing these songs but you feel like your mind was like another place you know like you don't remember really doing it you know you, you wrote it but you don't like you're like eh, i don't know it's like was i was there but i wasn't there and right and uh you know i and i deal with that a lot you know for me i i dissociate a lot um in my life i know i uh i have had issues where i kind of like i go off into the distance sometimes i'm not sure where did i go but kind of just go and and you're you're like kind of remove yourself from the reality of what's going on and and uh it's it's a really wild experience you know i I don't honestly, I don't really wish it on anybody because it's a very it could be a very scary experience sometimes because it's almost like you literally have to snap yourself back into like the real world. And it's very a very weird experience. Uh, If you've never have had dissociative episodes, it's um, very odd. (laughs) It's a very odd and puzzling mental um, experience. And uh it, it can be very, very crazy um, to go through. Um, but th- I, I thank you. I really appreciate you like sharing that about your brother. I know it's a very hard topic to talk about. So I really appreciate you being honest and open about that on a public forum like this. So huh. that, I do. I really appreciate that. It's a very touching story um, in the face of a lot of adversity and a lot of uh, tragedy, you know, so that, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and you know, it's funny. And I look, as I look at your, the cover art for that, and then, then I kind of go and I look at all these cover art. Do you do all your own cover art? Most of it. Yeah. There's, um, two or three of them that, uh, I've either had a friend, like my debut, uh, the Heliantha CP, a friend of mine contributed that. Okay. And, um, my sister's contributed a couple of pictures, but yeah, most of it's just stuff that I do. Like, like you, you draw that, like, Oh no, no, not at all. Or, oh, oh, you just no. you kind of, you kind of go into like a, a editing image editing software and yeah, and kind of much, work yeah. work around it. I, I've got to tell you, man, you do an incredible job. The, those cover arts they stick out, and I think it's a big part of why you're starting to get some listenings uh, from people. Because I tell you, I mean, as mu- you know, you could talk about you know, getting the music to grab someone, getting, but the first thing people see is that it, it, you know people see a, a picture. And that that really is a deciding factor for a lot of people, you know, and what they see and what sticks out to them. And I feel like your cover art really just it's so unique and so it's it's very you, you know. It's in your like you have your own style of like your cover art, and I think it it attracts a lot of people because people are like, "Ooh, what is that? That looks pretty deep, pretty pretty deep, pretty cool." Like let me see what's inside this thing. This it's what's, what's inside this package. What's inside this, this pretty, pretty cool package that we got here. And then they obviously hear the music and then, you know, then you get the, the listens off of it. 
So like what, you know, what went into like a lot of those cover art decisions? Like, how do you, how do you figure out those? Like, is it just kind of like, like a, like what you're feeling in your head or like in, in your heart? Yeah. You know, sometimes it just depends. Uh, obviously the Helianthus EP, I needed something with the sunflower. Um, and so when my friend uh, contributed that, it was, it was one that was already um, wilting and that was perfect for the term entropy. It was showing that it was in the state of entropy, but a lot of them, you know, sometimes it depends like on a song maybe through there or uh, during the recording process, I might have this reoccurring thought or image. And I try to capture that in the artwork as best as I can. Because really, another one of the big reasons why I stick to instrumental music is we have so many people and so many things, whether it's TV, social media, or lyrics, trying to tell us what to think and how to think. And everybody just always bombarding us with how they feel. That sometimes oh. we just need, again, that space to think for ourselves. So musically, I just kind of want to provide that space for, you know what, you think your own thoughts. You make your own decisions. I, uh, I This is something I want to talk about. And I... Uh... I, it's something I've been grappling with a lot um, lately when I hear a lot of people's songs. And I know a lot of these indie songwriters, especially young songwriters, I know they mean well. And, and I know they want to make music that their, you know, their their age group gen can make, you know. And, and, I, and obviously, I do believe it's part of the experience of growing as a songwriter. But I think at some point, you got to delve a little deeper. I think we do focus on a lot of this because let, let's face it. Um, I know for people my age and younger now, dating is a, right now is just a goddamn uh, shit show. I, I was so fortunate when I found my girlfriend, you know, three and a half plus years ago. I'm like, I, I am so glad I do not have to be part of this anymore. This whole dating God awful dating scene that, I don't even know what you call it now. It's just, a, it's a fucking mess. And I, I understand. Yep. I, I truly do understand why so many people my age make songs about it. And, but a lot, I feel a lot of those songs can just be so, so surface value. It's so much like this happened and, and that's it. There's no real, like, there's nothing really further than that. It's like, yeah, this happened to me. I'm sure this happened to you. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's exactly where I'm at. So honestly, I first began as a lyricist. I've been writing since I was eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I had to grow up fast when I was young. So I, you know, I, I did always kind of write from a deeper perspective. But there again, um, you know, a person just doesn't always need to be ha- um, told like what to think, how to think. And I think these life experiences that we have, whether good or bad, you know, sometimes you need to just take out the hammer and chisel and create your own thing out of it and just not always look at it as one big stone thing. And that's all it's going to be for your whole life is this past experience is just this one big stone and that's all it's ever going to be. Now take out the hammer and chisel and make something out of it. But sometimes you need to just allow them to have that space to think for themselves in order to do so. Right. And I like... I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, it does. And it, because it, it, I, I try when I write, um, and this is probably why it takes me forever to write things because I'm like the biggest like self-critic in the world. And I have like half the time I'm like, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> but like, yeah, like well, lately, you know, like the thing I just wrote lately um, 
the, it was a, the sanctimonious queen of rapture i believe i titled it i love that title sad 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 when i when i don't even remember like my own titles of songs that that's <laughs> that's the that's that we call that depression brain folks that's that's what that is <laughs> the, the short term the short-term memory just just it just goes i, I remember things like the stu- <laughs> the stupidest like trivia facts but like yeah the, what, what's the song that you made like five days ago um i think it was this uh <laughs> i totally understand <laughs> i think i don't know um but yeah no you know my thing about that song is yeah i had a i had a certain experience in mind um with that going into that song uh, but that actually happened very recently with everything that was going on with my grandfather. Um, but at the same time, I I wanted to write. And it, it's not completely finished yet. I'm very bad when it comes to like finishing things. So I'm, I'm like the, the 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 father that starts a project, home improvement project, and then doesn't like finish it like until like three years later um <laughs> but um, I'll to TV to finish it, it for you. yeah yeah no, that's 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 pretty much me i gotta call in the uh, tim allen to come in and and, uh, and finish it for me um yeah like my my thing with that song is like yeah i had a, a specific i had a specific experience in mind for that song but i wanted to write it to the point where people can draw their own conclusion and maybe relate to something they've gone through i wanted to make it a little more open-ended instead of like hey this happened to me and like this happened this specific detail happened and then like i did this to this guy you know and and this person made me mad or i think i just feel like there's too much of that going on in music now i i think there's just a lot of surface level songwriting going on in music um and, and yeah, and I get it. You know, you have to write songs to grow, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's good to write that stuff. So then you can kind of grow from it, I, I guess, you know, so I, I feel I look at it as a, as a double edged sword. It's like, you know, write that stuff as you as you feel fit, you know, but from there, try to try to expand on that. Try to make things a little more open ended, like make it like you said, make it more of an experience where people can draw their own their own picture from it. And that, yeah. that's that, yeah. and that's why I, you know, I tried to write the song like that, you know, so he, it wouldn't be just more centered around me, you know. No, that makes total sense, and that's why, you know, if if the song if it fits the song, I'm not I'm not worried about how long the song is because, um, in this day and age, we're so much um, used to instant everything. I mean, I mean, even TikTok is just like instant MTV. It's instant music video. It's instant. You know, Betamax, I'm showing my age, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, microwavable, you know, feelings kind of thing. Yeah. And like I say, there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes it's, you got to cut to the quick on things, but I don't want to lose the fact that sometimes there is an overarching story sometimes, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that way sometimes is, is look for the overarc. And I have some of those in my discography as well. There's, there's songs from, you know, 2020 that'll tie into some stuff that I just recently released because they're all telling the story, but then, and and I have a couple of longer songs, so I'm not afraid to do that, but yeah, I, um, I, I find, um, as long as if the song is shorter, I just don't want it to be like a bag of chips where it's just like nothing but air, you know, and you just get like a handful and that's it. But at the same time, I just don't want to be overloaded with, you know, saturated fats and stuff like that, you know, like this big heavy meal kind of thing. So it's finding that balance is something oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, you definitely. I mean, there's definitely too like the the possibility of trying to be a little too pretentious, and then like you know you're like yeah. you're just, then you're just beating someone over the head with like you know vocabulary, which is uh, I, I t- totally get that that point of view too. You know, I totally can understand that as well. You know, so yeah, like you said, it's balance. It's all balance in songwriting. You know, it's it's not leading too far one way. You know, and try to try to just like make something that is digestible but like is also you can really you know send the message across to somebody or you know or let them let them draw a message you know from from what you're saying yeah for me it's finding whatever whatever song it is what the substance is in any given song it might be the length of the song it might be a riff it might be a melody but just find that substance yeah oh absolutely um you know, I like, like recently, um, I just kind of got reminded of a, of a, you know, an, a nineties, uh, classic, uh, or I guess you could call it, um, you know, Adam song by blink 182. Um, you know, it, I, I always love that song, you know, and it's so, it's so brilliantly written. Um, when you, th- when you think about it, um, cause like, it is one of those songs. It's not like, it doesn't beat you over the head of like, this is what this is you know it it really doesn't it's like yeah there's a definitely the overarching theme of of depression and like and like going through it you know but it allows people to kind of sit in that feeling and go you know wow that reminds me of the thing i'm going through i always felt yeah that's one of those songs that that could really that really displays what i'm i'm talking about yeah again you know to go back to that um i'm really i'm really thankful that there's so much versatility in music i mean if i want to listen to an epic i'll definitely put on some rush or something hmm. but uh you know i have no problem at the same time turning around and listening to a 50 second misfits song or you know an <laughs> sod song or ramones or something so i'm really glad for versatility yeah or, or just like like a minute like long brad bad brains like just like screaming in your face like <laughs> yeah no, for sure. It, 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 it really, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I need a different flavor today. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. So I'm curious, like growing up, like what were some of your big music influences when you were like in your formative years? Oh my goodness. Uh, I've been so fortunate. Um, I came from a family of nine kids and I'm the wow the youngest son and, and second youngest overall. So Holy cow. I've had um, a lot of different um, music brought in the house. Um, so really, it went from everything from my dad liking uh, old country western and my mom in, with the 50s to my brothers liking disco and funk and soul. Hmm. And, um, you know, what is now considered classic rock. I call it heavy metal because it wasn't called classic rock when it was new. So, you know, early 70s metal stuff like that yeah i'm I'm acting like a snob i know (laughs) but yeah really the one of my most um oh no i i hear you on the classic rock the overarching (laughs) classic rock term now like i it's weird for me it's like hearing some of these like these like 2000 songs are called classic rock now i'm like yeah oh no what's happening 100 percent. so no really one the the ones that really uh come to mind more when I was younger and I, and I have really early memories of even when I was a toddler, but I remember 
uh, the vinyls of Dr. Hook and ACDC Highway to Hell and hmm. um, Ronnie Millsap and oh, wow. Hank Williams Jr. Like they were all in the collection there and having all that versatility, you know, from, from my siblings allowed me to not just listen to what I liked out of their stuff, but it, it, it gave me that freedom to find a lot of the stuff that I like now. So yeah. Um, so many, so many good ones though. Um, but a lot of it was mostly like funk and soul and, um, stuff like that, that really was played a lot around the house and Spanish music as well. So oh, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think you could, yeah, I think you could see like all those different influences in what you do. I mean, like, cause like your music, like it really does span so many different um, areas. Um, have you thought about doing like more of a country Western style of like uh, EP at some point? Like, I, I'm curious because like I haven't heard anything that sounded like too like country sounding yet or like bluegrass sounding, but uh you know, maybe I just haven't delved into your discography nearly enough, but yeah, I mean, and I missed it, but no, no, not at all. I, I, I don't think so. It's more the, the spirit of it as far as like outlaw country. I'll channel that. If I were to ever do anything along those lines, it would be more alt country. Um, but this really dark stuff, you know, that I wouldn't even call it country. It's just more acoustic stuff that these doom artists are doing like, uh, hmm. John, uh, like, um, like uh, Steve Von Till is doing, and they, they're doing a lot of this really dark, dark, sparse acoustic stuff. Somebody like Chelsea Wolf, Wolf, you know, something like that. I would, I would um, consider. I've thought about. Interesting. I, I, I gotta check that out. I, I really haven't heard that like subsection uh, of stuff uh, at all that those artists or anything. So like, that's actually really neat to me. Yeah, because like, when I like when I think of like kind of like alt country, I kind of think of almost like. Um, like rural um like meat puppets kind of uh, a little oh, bit oh yeah you know some of their their stuff was like very like cow punkish like and um i i always enjoyed that stuff you know it's a really neat different music you know because they had that that arizona influence on it on their 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 music and sometimes their their music definitely did come off more of like like a country like yeah like deep south vibe you know yeah, um, I think, you know, um, more, a lot of what I do too is desert rock, which is more in tune with stoner. Yeah. But it still kind of has a lot of similarities to that. There, you know, a lot of these punk artists were signed to the same label as a lot of these desert rock artists and stuff. So um, I come from a very rural, rural part of Southern Colorado. And uh, yeah. so there's a lot of country, a lot of that stuff here, but I don't find that it um, really influences me much. Um, again, it's, it's for me, when I say country in, in, in that term, that's a lot of the old cats, man, that I, that uh, I listen to. So that, that's really cool. And it's funny. Cause I was probably going to ask you that question about like where you grew up and like, if that influenced your music. So you literally just answered my question. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so now it's interesting. Wow. Like I never thought like Colorado was like a big country, like hotbed or anything like that. I never pictured that. Oh, it's huge. I mean, it really is. It really is huge. And, you know, I grew up with my um, dad. Uh, one of the things he did was uh, break horses. And so I can remember <laughs> um, a lot of that stuff, a lot of a lot of this really bucolic kind of lifestyle or whatever. Um, and I by no means am trying to romanticize it or anything, but 
you know, I, when you're growing up in it, you don't think of it that way. It's just life to you. You know, it's yeah. just what you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Uh, uh, like, yeah, uh, like I've never, like, I've never been, you know, it's, it's hard for me to relate to that, um, style of life, you know, cause I, like, I never grew up like that. You know, I grew up so much like in suburbs of Connecticut, you know, like I, I'm like, yeah, I can never, I mean, you know, granted like the, where I live, you know, in Connecticut right now, it, there's like some, you know, there's some like foresty areas and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's no, by no means the country it's like, you know, it's not even close. Um, yeah, so I always, you know, for me, I guess, you know, I always have a little bit of a disconnect with that style of life because I just, I don't really know it. I, I could never understand it because <laughs> yeah, it's just not, it's not how I grew up. You know, it's just different, different for me, you know, coming. So I always like to hear people's perspectives on growing up like that and, and everything. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, like I said earlier, you're just living. So I never, I never really thought about it that way, but you know, I did live in the city for a while and I, and I love the convenience of it. Um, but I just really love living where there's lots of empty space and big sky. Lots the, the, of mountains. the city is tough for us introverts, man. I tell you, it's, there's <laughs> a lot of stimulation going on, man. It's, oof, it's rough. Like I tell you, and it's like, I love going to New York. Don't get me wrong. I, I love going to Boston. I love going to New York for like a very short amount of time, <laughs> but like yeah. half a day and I'm, I'm good. Like after that, it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm good. Got to go back home. It's just so much going on. There's so many people. There's so many like different things everywhere. It's just like, here's here, here, go do this, do this, 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 this. It's like, ah, stop. <laughs> I just want to see some empty space for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and I agree with you to some degree, but one of the things, one of the things about familiarity for me here, living here is everybody knows you and sometimes i don't yeah, like that that I like kind of sucks because nobody knows who you are You're, nobody cares who you are no nobody like no it, no <laughs> emphasis on the nobody cares very much <laughs> emphasis on the nobody cares especially in new york <laughs> and i i emphasize especially in new york <laughs> do not yeah. expect any kindness your way <laughs> yeah no that's totally fine by me i've never been there but i i do want to go see new york i'm a knicks fan so i want to see the knicks at least play in new york once yeah it, it it's 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 funny man that's just like the, the city is such a different place you know and uh but um so do you have any like what's coming down the pipe for you you know in terms of uh a different different stuff that like uh, projects and stuff that you have anything in mind that's coming up for you? You know, uh, I want to finish this, um, hopefully turn this um, Denizens of Dust into a five song EP. Oh. And then I've got a stoner track that I want to do. But honestly, and I've said this a million times, is I want to take a break for a while. And I've said that a few times. And every time I say that, I end up coming out with like 15 songs by that weekend. So, it's funny how that works right like i, don't know, I yeah. swear i swear to god i'm done i swear i'm, I'm done this time i'm done and then you're just like i don't know that could sound pretty good like let me let me try something and then 15 songs later you're like oh shit like what happened i thought i was supposed to take a break yeah um honestly i i don't really have anything in mind other than i just want to continue working on maybe technique but i don't have anything other than that i I gave myself this uh, goal of let's see if I can get a few more songs for this 
this EP and then another one. And if that's all I do for the year, I'm happy with that. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, you've done a lot, man. I, I tell you, you've done a lot in like a short period of time. I, I really think like a break could be good for you. I think as artists, we need to recognize that too. Like we need to just take break sometimes like it's okay that's not it's not a bad thing <laughs> people like sometimes there's some bands that don't release an album for like years forget look d'angelo <laughs> d'angelo had a 14 get year gap between albums like yeah, yeah. and he made and he made a freaking another banger when he did it's okay it's okay to take breaks like it's it's fine like yeah, I think, and I, and yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping I can do that because I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's totally okay to take a break. And so I don't really, and, and like, have some, any plans. and sometimes that I don't, like I, a bummer, but yeah, no, no, no. Like, I mean, and like sometimes, like, I don't even like to view it as a break. I, I like to, I like to word it as like you're gaining more life experiences to write about or, or, you know, write music about. It's like you experience more in that time you're off from music. And, I think sometimes we, we underestimate how much of a bubble we can be in making so much music in that time where we're just like not experiencing really anything else. We're not gaining anything new in life to put into our music. If that makes any yeah. sense, you know, you don't want to get stuck too much in the bubble. I, I think, I think that could is a thing that can happen to artists sometimes is where we feel so output driven that we get sucked into our own world where, and then we end up kind of forgetting what other people outside our world want, would like and, yeah, totally. what, and what they do. And, and then that's like something we, I think as artists, you got to be very careful about. And that's why it is good to take breaks because you need to get out of that sphere. Sometimes to remove, sometimes removing yourself from a sphere that you love is actually sometimes important and finding other things that you do love too. Yeah, I mean, I totally in my head and in, in my heart expressively, I know that there's stuff there. It's just not time for that stuff to come out. And um, that too, you know, um, something that I that I say all the time is for all the journeys you take in life, sometimes the longest and hardest journeys that you take are the things that you know that are inside your head to make it to that journey to where you know it in your heart. Yeah. And so I kind of think that that's kind of where I'm at at, at the point. And so. I kind of want to enjoy that journey just as much as I enjoy making an album. So right, right. And, and like I said, I talk about you know creators block or you know writers block or burnout, you know, on the, on the show a lot. And I ask I always usually ask people how they deal with that. Would you say that's kind of how you would deal with it? Like personally, is you just step away from it? Some people I I know try to write through it, and which I I find is interesting. Um, I I think that's a very different approach from what I usually do. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's just very different than what I do. Um, I'm just curious what you think about that and like your thoughts on, on when you get stuck, you know, in, in the creative process. I think uh, sometimes I think I'm getting better at knowing when to push through and woodshed something and when to just sit back and let it come to you. Um, and, and sometimes sitting back and letting it um, come to you could be going out and doing something totally non-music related. But for me, again, like I said earlier, it's working on technique. And that's a good time to where I could actually sit with an electric guitar unplugged and not worry so much about the sound that's coming out as the mechanics of a technique that I'm, that, that I'm either just trying to sharpen or just 
continue to work on. So I will employ all of those. Um, sometimes I'll just sit and riff right or try to do something. And if nothing's happening, then, okay, then I'll, I'll work on, I'll work on my selective picking or double thumping technique or, or, you know, I'll just play legend of Zelda or something, you know, it just, it just depends, you know, hey, when all else fails, uh, hit the Zelda, it's <laughs> the, 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 the hit the Nintendo switch, baby. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, any, you know, any and all those, I, I'm not going to just limit myself to one alternative, one option, you know, now, now I'm curious now here, are you a bit pretty big gamer in, in your, in, uh, is that like something you you're very into doing? Um, it's something that, um, I don't do much, but I love to do it. If that makes sense. I don't allow myself to play very many video games only because I know how much time I will invest in it. If I do, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I ended up later in my life getting that control. Oh, like pre like 2015 me. Oh, it was like, forget about it. I had like, I had no self-control over it. I was like. No, um, yeah, I'm playing Halo for like ten hours. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd be. Oh God, my poor mother. I'd be waking her up at like, like one in the morning, screaming at, 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 on voice chat with my friends on Xbox. <laughs> She'd be like, Lawrence, God damn it! <laughs> I'm like, sorry, mom. Like, I'm just finishing one more thing. <laughs> yeah, like, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I've always loved gaming, though. I mean, myself, I've I had a controller in my hand since I was like four, man. I I like I it's such a huge part of my life and my growing up and everything. Um, I it was an escape method for me. Uh, you know, not to get too crazy, you know, but like, yeah, you know, my yeah, you know, I had there was some rough times growing up, you know, um, in my family. Uh, so a lot of times I would uh, and I'd use that as a method to just kind of go into my own world and you and just just experience that world uh you know like i because as young as i remember like four years old you know playing nes or sega genesis games or you know um you know playing n64 all that you know and all this stuff you know, my cousin you know and i would double team it you know and we would stay over my grandmother's house where i now live and uh um you know over the summers when we would be out of school and uh yeah it's a big part of my life you know and i i you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's weird for me now, like where I don't nearly have it as much as a part of my life, but I still recognize that I had to recognize after a while, like that doesn't mean I don't love it any less than I always have. It's just like a different type of love, I think now for it. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And that's just all part of, you know, growth and just priorities and whatnot. But yeah, I totally agree with you. And there's ab absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, something like that you know as means of uh escape you know whatever that might be as long as it's not something destructive you know and i know people like like we are very much introverted and overthinkers you know we have the we have our uh proclivities and so we could easily do things uh by means of escape uh that are destructive so oh yeah it's better that Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I think that is a big thing with, um, you know, being in your own head so much is, you know, you gotta be very, very careful, um, how that, how that can go. Um, you know, sometimes that could, you know, turn to, you know, really bad addiction based things, um, whether it's gambling or, you know, alcohol or, you know, whatever, um, you know, there's been a history of it in my family and, uh, 
you know, I, I always try to be cognizant of that. Um, you know, I know for me late, lately, and I kind of talked about this um, a little bit um, um, TikTok is like, I, I know recently I gained quite a bit of weight and uh, not like, I mean, not like a, a crazy amount of weight, but it's enough where I, I go and look at myself. I'm like, I don't know. Could be better. Um, Gotta be better. And I, you know, I have my bad habit of, of eating too much when I get stressed or like when I'm like, you know, thinking about a lot of stuff. So I just kind of start grabbing and I like, and it's not even, I don't even know if it's a hunger thing at that point. You know, it's, it's more of a, like, like a fidget, I guess it's like a, exactly. <laughs> it almost becomes like a, like, you know, I'm trying to like, I'm thinking and I'm like just doing this at the same time. And it's just like a nonstop thing. And it's like, Whoa, portion control like oh hey you know let's maybe pour some in the bowl next time instead of bringing the whole bag and in, into the room you know it's uh, stuff like that i'm going off a, a tangent now but like it, it the moral of the story is be careful as an introvert sometimes we can get very like stuck in our own heads and you know you got to channel that the right way not the the wrong way <laughs> yeah that's one thing i always tell myself as somebody who likes to be in his own head a lot it's like i better be I better be well aware of the company I'm keeping when I'm in my own head. I better yeah. feel safe in the company I'm keeping. I, I think like, and I always, I kind of liken it to like, you know, with, you know, the, the great power comes great responsibility line, you know, Spider-Man. I think that's what it is like when you are a very, um, you know, introverted complex thinker uh, type of person, you know, that energy could get, exploited in a very bad way or you it could be used for incredible gain on your your end it's all what direction you take it, it's it could go either way you know and you got to be very very careful yep well said i agree it's it's really really crazy how, how it can go either way when you're like that you know and a very big thinker um but now i'm gonna jump to a, a couple fun questions here. Um, what's a favorite piece of gear or instrument that you you have or own? You know, uh, favorite instrument has to be uh, one of my eight string guitars. It doesn't matter. I have a Schecter Damon D eight, and I've got my uh, Agile Intrepid eight twenty eight. Nice. So either one of those, I just I love the eight string guitar. So yeah, go with I, that. I oh man, I, at some point I just like something I gotta try. You know, I've never had a multi string guitar like that. You know, I've always had the traditional six, and uh, I've seen the more and more like the, you know, the, the some of the metal guys that have you know the um the eight strings. It's like I'm just like enamored by. It. I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like, how do you how do you work with two more strings? I'm like, damn, <laughs> six strings is already crazy enough for me, man. Like. <laughs> God, yeah, the it's just there's already so many possibilities in there. You know, I don't, I can't even imagine with two more strings to work with. It's just wow, it's it's wild to me. Um, really is. Uh, but yeah, and at some point, you know, down the road, maybe I'll I'll get into it. You know, but I, I just think it's so crazy. <laughs> just watching people use those, it's just like, oh my god. Yeah, you know, the best the best thing I can tell you is just throw yourself into it, man. That's what I did. I knew I wanted one. It just made sense to me i always liked the lower end of the guitar i would even detune it and stuff and so when those came out i just knew i wanted one so yeah yeah you, you, find, into it. you kind of feel like it gives you a little more like versatility in terms of what you could play and and like do with it tuning wise i think uh in terms of in, in certain ways yes it gives me more in how i can express things 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go back to uh, a six string, uh, which I've been doing more for the last month. So um, this last two track single was done. Well, the first song was done on an eight string and then the uh, Cap Grad Delusion was done on um, my Fender Strat. I find it just is a different way of expressing. I, I feel like I'm more structured when I play an eight string and I'm more technique driven. And then when I play a six string, I'm kind of more, I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like I let loose more. That makes a hundred percent sense to me. I, I totally get where you're coming from. It definitely, uh, for me, like an eight string, it definitely feels more like the technique type of like, you know, a lot of, you can do a lot of different stuff with lead, lead wise. And like, you know, it's like, you know, it gives you a lot more options in terms of that um, sort of deal. So, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from, from that. That's, that's pretty interesting how you mix it up like that. I actually think that's really cool. Yeah, totally. It, it gives a lot more for voicing. So yeah, it's uh, again, I, I recommend you trying it out and at least finding out if you uh, gravitate towards it or not. Cover that you think is better than the original song? Oh, man, that is a tough one. I can sit here and think of a million of them. Um, I would honestly have to say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, okay, I don't know if it's better, okay, but Black Magic Woman by uh, Santana versus the Fleetwood Mac version two totally different versions mm. so that's going to be my answer but i'm not necessarily going to say better it's it was just a great interpretation of a song and making it their own so i'm going to put it that way i you know and this is funny because first of all not a lot of people realize that that's by fleetwood mac <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't know that and it's funny when i tell people that people are like what I'm like, yeah, dude, like that was pre Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac, but yeah, like it was very much Fleetwood Mac song. Um, and second of all, I like the original better than the Santana version. I, I like Santana's version. Don't get me wrong. Santana. I love Carlos Santana. Dude's a fucking legend. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I just thought, um, the original was, I, I'm going to use one of your terms, more minimalist. It just, uh, I thought it, it just was down to the basic blues and sometimes the basic blues just does it for me. And yeah, I just, I love, I love the way Peter green plays on that song, man. Peter green, one of the most underrated blues guitarists ever. Definitely. I, I, I'm going to answer it this way for the rhythm, the baseline and, and that part of it, it's gotta be the Santana version because of the baseline and because of the congas in there. I love that, but I agree with you in that the original is definitely more haunting, and and being that blues is actually my first love. Blues music is my first love. Oh. Uh, it reminds me a lot of that old um, Chicago blues that Cobra Records used to do in the in the mid to late fifties. It could have easily been released in the mid to late fifties, oh, as opposed yeah. to you know sixty eight or whenever it came out. And, and you got to remember a lot of these, uh, these British blues bands, um, were very much inspired by those Chicago blues. I mean, very, very much. So, I mean, very like, much. Yeah. I mean, to the point where they covered a lot of those guys songs <laughs> too, and actually played those songs <laughs> and, 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 and with their original stuff. Um, yeah. And, and took their lyrics. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, shock. Yeah, that's again, that's a whole nother podcast, <laughs> you know, like 
God knows the amount of money that Robert Johnson probably should have had in his, you know, in his lifetime, <laughs> you know, like guys like him yeah. probably should have had, but didn't have. <laughs> and then was capitalized upon, you know, later by white artists. And it's just, uh, that's a whole shame. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, man, I tell you, oh, and, and I'm going off a tangent again, but man, Fleetwood, Fleetwood pre Stevie Nicks, so underrated. Um, people do not give that iteration of Fleetwood Mac enough credit, enough listens, enough uh, anything, really, I think. Um, and, and I get it. You know, they were really two different bands. If you think about it, I mean, the Fleetwood Mac that came 1975 on was just a, a totally different animal. Not It was a bad animal. I liked it. And it's really good. And those rumors is a fucking, you know, all-timer, too. But Man, I don't know. There's something about what with Danny Kerwin and, and Peter Green playing together, man. It just, like you said, haunting, very haunting, bluesy music. Um, yeah, and, and you can't leave out. You honestly, uh, you can't leave out the Bob Welsh era. Fleetwood the Mac, Bob Welsh, which is personally too, yeah. my favorite. Personally, my favorite era. But yeah, no, oh, I, man, you just mentioned uh, Danny Kerwin. Kudos, uh, man. Uh, oh no, yeah, I. I've delved, I've delved very much into the history. I, my, my dad raised me on the blues, man. It's like, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I was my first love, I guess, too, in a way. I mean, my dad played so much blues vinyl for me and all different types of blues shit. And I just, that is awesome. I gravitated towards it, you know, and, you know, he was the one that really showed me. He's like, you know, there was a Fleetwood before, you know, Stevie Nicks and, uh, it's funny, him and his uh his best friend, his best friend's a big Snicks era Fleetwood fan, and he always would get into arguments with them. She and he'd be like, No, no, Nick's era Fleetwood was better than he and dad be like, No. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Those arguments are fun though. <laughs> uh, uh it, it's funny. I, I don't even like it's an argument. It's just two completely different bands, and like you just have to look at them like that. It, yeah. And not to take anything away from Lindsey Buckingham, he's a fucking awesome guitar player too. Like, very underrated in his own right, and really good. So it's like, you know, it's it's you know, apples to oranges really with those those two iterations of the band. Um, yeah, no, blues blues is um really cool, and I I actually really like that you mentioned the Hype Magic Woman because that's usually the one I mention, and I usually oh nice. It, it's usually the opposite of, you know, that of my question of, I actually think the original is better than the cover or a lot of people think differently than me on that. Um, yeah. I mean, mine that when it comes to mine, I always say, usually my first uh, answer is uh, easy by the easy uh, cover by faith. No more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love their take on that song. This as opposed to the Commodores. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, I mean, I love the Commodores version too, but I just, there's something with Mike Patton and it, you know, just takes it to another little bit of a different level. And, um, and I just, I just love it instead of the, you know, the, the horns, you know, you get the guitar playing that part and it's, it's just really, really neat. I think so. No, I, I, it really is. I, I, uh, really like that answer to be honest with you because Angel Dust is a great album anyway. So, <laughs> My all-time favorite, right there, man. That's <laughs> yeah. If, if, if I haven't mentioned it on the show, probably I probably have a million times, probably. But uh, Faith No More is like my probably like my favorite band. Uh, 
ever so <laughs> hey that's not a bad one to have i i'm actually more partial to mr bungle but hey, oh, okay all right <laughs> i think that might be the first mr bungle mentioned on the show <laughs> that might be the <laughs> might be the first one i was actually so fortunate to see the the new iteration of mr bungle right before the pandemic started in brooklyn man you were in, lucky man. in, in yeah. fe- it was february literally a month before the the pandemic started and oh. um yeah i my girlfriend god bless her soul went with me to the show and stood with me the whole time oh man i i bless her heart is not her style of music at all but she you know she got her enjoyment out of it as much enjoyment i guess as she could get out of it um but one of the coolest shows I've ever been to, I, and I don't know if you, you heard about what they did with the, the new touring iteration of Mr. Bungle, but they had Scott Ian from Anthrax with them and Dave Lombardo from Slayer playing on the drums, yeah. which is yeah. just fucking insanity. And basically that they played the whole first EP that they ever did um, in its entirety. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it was more of a, it's a little actually different than the Mr. Bungle stuff that came after that. It's more of like a, a de- like a deathy death metal, like real in your face thrash metal um, sort of sound. But it, it was so cool, man. That was like a bucket list show for me. I, I can say I saw like Mike Patton and like Dave Lombardo and like Scott Ian together at the same time. It's like, what the hell? This is crazy. Uh, no, they, that's cool. They that's also, cool. They also did a Seals and Croft Summer Breeze cover. I shit you not. And it was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, I got excited when I heard that they were going to be revisiting their old catalog like that. And when I heard Scott was on there and Dave was on there. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was definitely stoked to hear that. But, you know, I, I do hope that they played stuff from their three albums. Um, yeah. Did they or was it all just that thrashy stuff? Uh. No, it was pretty much all that. Yeah, they didn't really play a whole lot of like, and they played like a bunch of like hardcore covers too, like hardcore. Yeah, yeah, like I, some of them I, I, I'm not as huge into the hardcore scene as some others are, so I wasn't familiar as with some of the songs. But yeah, like they played a lot. Of, I guess from like some of the Bay Area hardcore scene because that's obviously where Mike, Mike is from, and he knows like a bunch of those bands. So they did a bunch of those types of covers too. It was just like a very all over the place, uh, you know, interesting show. Very, very, funny, man. yeah. You, you know, you're never going to get anything, uh, uh, dull with a uh, Mike Patton, uh, concert. So <laughs> it's nope. never, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> right. there's going to be about a hundred curveballs thrown your way. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what's the best show you've ever been to? I'm curious. What would you say is the best concert you've ever been to? That answer is easy. Um, the, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the tour. Um, oh my goodness, it's definitely Weird Al. Um, really, uh, Vanity Tour, the Vanity Tour that he did, where he did more of the deep covers and no costume, no nothing. That was that was the best concert I went to. Yeah. Wow. They, uh, I mean, he's he's when when you take away all the the costumes and everything else that he does, which is cool. Cause I saw him again in uh, red rocks the year later, but when you take all that away and it's just down to straight musicianship and showmanship, 
very talented. They brought it, man. Like that whole band was on point, professional, great show. Weird Al is a lot more talented than people give him credit for. <laughs> it's uh, it takes it takes talent to do something like he does. Um, I and and I think you can see it you know, when musicians used you know used to be like so happy when they he would do their songs because like. Well, except for Coolio, but I mean, <laughs> ugh, that's a whole other story. Yeah. yeah, but Coolio needs to remember that was a Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I was just gonna. Say, I was literally just gonna say, I'm like Coolio. Funny that Coolio says that, you know, with that song because, yeah, like literally, you literally just made a rap out of Pastime Paradise. So I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like a little bit of the, you know, pot on the, you know, the kettle black, you know, like, uh, like I don't know, it's kind of like kind of weird to me like okay but yeah and i got you know i was like i remember like i know like kurt cobain was like 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 pretty happy when when uh he covered smells like you know teen spirit he did the um was it smells like nirvana i think was it yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh the the music video for that was hilarious uh and now i want to watch that again (laughs) i'm probably probably not gonna like go down the wormhole of like weird al videos after this this conversation is over so (laughs) i will tell you what man uh again to go back to that tour it was mostly his original songs and deep cuts and if you go um to youtube you will see pretty much every show that he stopped and did and what cover songs he did man the covers that they chose and that they did they were awesome. They were so. t- they were they played tight. Yeah, that's that's really that's a very interesting answer. I I appreciate. I can appreciate that. That's <laughs> that's really that's a really neat answer. I never ever thought I'd hear that come out of your mouth. So that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I am a nerd, man. I'm proud of it. So, <laughs> oh man. So, what um, what is something other stuff that you like to do away from music, like uh. You know, because I know we talked a little bit about video, video games, but I'm sure there's a lot more than that you like to do. You know, um, working out is one. I, yeah. I love weight training for sure, um, and trying to stay healthy doing that. Another one is uh, learning Russian. I love learning foreign languages. Um, really? So, huh. Yeah, yeah. Why? So, why Russian? I'm curious. Well, I wanted something completely different. Being bilingual, speaking English and Spanish, I actually started Swahili first. And uh, the reason I didn't continue with that was there was just more resources for Russian. And I thought, let me really challenge myself and do a whole different um, alphabet. And so I just wanted something that was a little bit more challenging. Um, And Swahili was great. I definitely want to go back and redo that. But yeah, I just figured Russian would just i don't know made sense uh the when when's the all russian ep coming is my my question <laughs> oh man <laughs> you know uh it's funny you say that because um when i did the ep chernobyl's ghosts i was actually going to call the song chernobyl's ghosts by its russian uh it was what i was going to call it but i forgot that when you submit the the song you have to choose what language the song is in so when i went to type it out in russian it's like no you chose english as the oh. so instead of prizraki uh, chernobyl became uh chernobyl's ghost but i did happen to catch the 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 dispatch call from when that disaster happened and i incorporated it into the song so you hear that dispatch call in the song in russian oh so. wow i gotta i gotta check that out uh, that's actually really cool um yeah it's it's funny like i like 
kind of did the same thing with like finding a language that had a different alphabet, you know, and the mine was, you know, for me for a while it was Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's actually was a lot of it would had to do with, I was big into Japanese wrestling at the time. Um, and um, Japan. Uh, well, I'm more than new Japan. It was like everywhere. I'm talking Noah, really? all Japan. I mean, every, all, Japan, yeah. all Japan. I mean, the, even the smaller, smaller indie. I was, I was in deep at one point, dude. It was, it was like, I'm not nearly anymore. I, I just don't have the time and energy to put towards it. But for a while, I mean, I used to run like a wrestling website and everything. So I was like, and a wrestling, as a Japanese wrestling podcast. So I basically made it my like job to like watch everything from the scene so i for a while i was just like diving into like uh memorize uh japanese lessons and i i knew quite a bit for a little while you know um kanji always tripped the shit out of me though that shit was so hard i was like i once i hit kanji i'm like i gave up because i was like there's no way there's absolutely no way i'm learning these kanji characters some some japanese people have car- like problems with learning kanji still you know it's like it's yeah it's, it's just so much man it, it's it's like a whole nother world um learning that language man it's 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 tough and japanese is tough too because you you could be get yourself into trouble because there's some very similarly sounding words that sound very similar to each other but can mean very 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 different things you have to be very careful like with how you sound the the phrases out you know in in that language i was i always find that very challenging too it was like and then yeah after a while i just kind of fell out of it but you know hopefully at some point i get back into doing it um, I learned, I know I learned Spanish in high school for learn some of it, you know, good amount of it. I forgot some of it now, probably forgot more than I learned, but you know, but I, I have a decent grasp of it still. Um, but not, not what I used to when I was in, when I was in high school, you know, it's, uh, it helps me some, understand when I'm watching the Glucha Libre stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> so nice, you know, so you mentioned, uh, um, uh, like all japan and Noah and all that and and to go to the video games have you ever played any of the fire pro wrestling oh games? For, oh yes of course wow nice. wow we're, i love we're diving into fire pro wrestling now <laughs> here and it, I, I think i think i've already lost like half the 95 percent of the core audience here uh, they're like what the f- is this guy talking about right now the least listened episode is mine that's yeah oh that's yeah good. oh yeah <laughs> fire pro oh my god man um yeah, I, I used I've used to play a little bit of Fire Pro. Um uh Fire Pro is like interesting to me because it's I, I think it's very like much like a it, it's um a good like sim based game. Yeah. Uh, when it, it's in more in that realm of like like being able to like kind of book like your own stuff and like make your own matches and uh see what happens. And you know, obviously the creative uh part of it's really cool and you can be pretty just the movesets are so deep in, in everything. So I always found Fire Pro pretty neat in that oh, in, yeah. in, in that regard. It's a total far cry, you know, from what's coming out for wrestling video games now. Um, yeah, and I'm glad, like, you know, you know, you hear now that AEW is coming out with a game that's going to be more like the um, kind of like the N64 era wrestling games, um, like virtual, oh, wow. you know, VPW2 and like... Um, uh, you know, No Mercies, WrestleMania 2000, WCW, NWO, uh, World Tour, um, Revenge, you know, all those. Like, it, it, it's supposed to be kind of more in that style of uh, of gameplay compared to the the very 2K uh, crap that's been coming out um, uh, as of late. So, 
I mean, I'm pretty stoked. There hasn't been a lot of updates on it, unfortunately. So hopefully they come out with it at some point in the near future. But, you know, it, it'll be good to have a different wrestling game out there on the market because I think that market has been very, very stagnant for a very, very long time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, What are some other favorite um like tv shows or movies or sports that you uh that you like to follow you know i i I try not to watch much tv um sports i have to say easily hockey's my favorite sport um interesting so um again i don't watch it as much as i would like to because and a lot of that is because they took away the like the hockey station here on on just network so um and then i had the espn plus package and like center ice for a while and stuff but um yeah hockey definitely is that so so are uh, you are you big are you big avalanche fan yeah that's the only team from colorado i'd like to be honest with you and that's my favorite team so i love the abs yeah i had i had a feeling i'm like he's probably gotta be an abs fan he's from colorado like yeah uh, yeah uh, like so that and um you know i mean I, I do watch football i'm a seahawks fan so i've been oh. a seahawks fan all my life so nice nice yeah suffering long suffering browns fan here so uh <laughs> i'm yeah, just can, glad you're stuck with them man the, the long suffering connecticut browns fan uh yeah it makes no sense i know my dad liked them back when watching them on tv here and he he caught on to them and i un- inherited the pain and suffering so dude I will say though, I uh, Bernie Kosar and Webster Slaughter, man. I, yeah. I like them both. So. My dad, my dad, my dad was in love with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, he loved he loved he loved Bernie and all that. Those guys. Yeah, uh, he he grew up with like Brian Sipe too. You know, before that. Oh wow. And, you know, Brian Sipe, those guys, and then yeah, then the Bernie years. Uh, those those losses to Denver are so painful. So. <laughs> uh, Believe me, I rooted for for Cleveland on those games. So. Yeah, fuck that scumbag John Oway. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm not going to disagree with that. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I can't stand him. I can't stand him. I hate him so much. Oh, God. Probably rooted a lot in that, but I just I can't stand John Oway. Uh, <laughs> good damn good player, but I can't stand him. But, uh, yeah, that's, co- that's cool, man. I You know, TV is like – I. I I, I don't blame you. There, there's a lot out there now. I think there's almost to, a, too much to a point <laughs> where the yeah. where, where you can't even like decide what you want to want to watch on all these streaming services. It's just like sometimes you just got like throw a dart and hope you hit something. <laughs> it's like no, you know, and, and and honestly, I did. I I really did get into Cobra Kai, and oh, um, yeah. Cobra. so that one's pretty cool. But I, you know, I stick to my old favorites: Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, oh. The Office, Mash. So, you know, oh, my, da- my dad was a huge match fan uh, back in the day. So nice. <laughs> he, he, I'm sure he'd be pleased to hear that. <laughs> and yeah, and one of them, one of my Twitter buddies is a huge Star Trek fan. He, he literally, his like name is deep space Niners. <laughs> uh, on that, Twitter. Is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is awesome. <laughs> um, so just kind of going back to, to music for like just a little bit and then um we'll kind of end it from there um what do you plan on like you know strategies for marketing yourself um in the future and like maybe plans to incentivize your fans for listening and stuff okay so i threw myself out there in the social media world i totally 
am not a social media person. I'm trying as hard as I can. And as bad as I am at being social self-promotion, I'm even worse at. So like, aside from saying on like my, my story, Hey, new albums out, check it out or put it, putting up a post. I have no plans, man, because I have no creativity when it comes to that whatsoever. And as far as incentivizing, that's tough for me. And one of the reasons is, is because, um, I'm not against Patreon or any of that stuff. I totally get it. And so nothing against it, but you know, I was on the other side when I swear I would, I'd eat ramen noodles just to be able to afford the next Megadeth record or something, you know? So I don't want to differentiate between the people who can afford something and who can't, you know? So I honestly don't have any plans. Never say never. But as for right now, I I don't, you know, you know, uh, I know exactly what you mean with the marketing yourself thing, because it's funny. I find I can do it so well for other people. Right. And I I think there's a, 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 unfortunately for me, there's like a very like self hating part of that, you know, that comes into play where I'm like, Oh, why do people, why would people want to see what I want to market? You know, like, well, I don't want to seem like, like I'm like pushing myself onto other people, you know? And yeah. I, I, well, like I, I'll gladly for any second, I'll help people market something they want to do and, you know, promote something people want to do. And I love doing it. I, you know, part of that was, you know, I took a lot of marketing classes in in uh, college, you know, when I'm during, I did my sports uh, management program. And so I, I got a lot of that, you know, embedded in me. I actually really enjoyed it. And I, I found ways to kind of, you know, help hype things up. You know, I used that in my real life job a little bit. I did for, um, and then like, um, I did it, you know, online for other stuff I promote, you know, um, for people, but you know, it took me a long time to be able to be like, Lawrence, it's okay to do this for yourself. Like, it's not a bad thing. Like, like you're not, you know, you're not inconveniencing others. You're not being like a self-absorbed prick. Like it's like, other people are doing it. You can do it too. Like it's fine. <laughs> so it's hard. I know yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard to escape that, you know, that feeling of like, you know, I don't really want to put myself out there and I don't want to be like pushing myself onto everybody. So I, I completely get where you're coming from on that. It's like, I've told people, uh, when I try to promote myself, I feel like I'm that phone call that's trying to remind you of your car's extended warranty. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like, you don't, you feel like you're an annoyance. You're like, God, am I like, am I just like, am I annoying these people now? Like, I just like retweeted this again. Like, I must be annoying these people. And I still yeah. get, trust me, I still get that voice in there. And that's my anxiety voice going like, like, don't you think you're annoying these people? Like, don't, don't you think you're bothering these people by now? Like, don't you think they've heard about it enough? Like, so yeah, no, you gotta, you know, it, it's hard to fight that voice. It's, it's hard, you know, but it's okay. Like, it's not a bad thing to do that for yourself. Like, especially now you, you kind of have to, if you really want to get, more of a following you know you gotta get your word out there in different unique ways sometimes you know not that's nothing against you or anything i'm just you know no, I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing you know you do your own thing man like i'm never never gonna judge how you choose to do your thing and you obviously get your streams you know but um but you know a lot of it now it's it's just a way of standing out you know it's it's hard to get people's attention in this social media driven world now where the attention span is like five seconds or less it's like how are you going to catch them? You know, how are you going to get their attention? You know, how are you going to get them, their eyes there to your product? And uh, yeah, totally. It's, it's hard. It's hard. So yeah, a lot of people fall into the trap of, you know, maybe doing that a little too much and then maybe kind of losing focus on the music, 
you know, sometimes and it's hard. It's a hard thing to balance. So I get it, man. I totally get it. Especially when you're really passionate about your music. Sometimes you go like, oh, the marketing thing. Do I really want to do that? And like put the energy into that too. It's, it's hard. It's a balance, man. It's again, it's like life. It's just finding that balance of being able to put yourself out there, but maybe not go like to the point of where you're losing focus on your own music in the process, you know, and making, you know, watered down shit that, you know, is just, is just not your best work in terms of just promoting it. Yeah. So no, it makes sense. Yeah. It's finding that it's finding that balance. How do you feel about the current music industry model right now? What is your thought on that? Okay. So first and foremost, we're paid way too little. We're getting ripped off with under this. That's one. But on the flip side of it, if it wasn't for Spotify, the Spotify's of the world and the, you know, Apple music, I wouldn't have a recording career. So I've got to be thankful that it's opened the door at least for me to do that. So it's a double-edged sword for me, but I want to answer this in another way too, is um, it is, again, we're getting ripped off and there needs to be something done about it. Um, But on the other side of things, as a consumer of music, somebody who has devoted a lot of money and time into collecting discographies, I was getting ripped off as a consumer when you complete somebody's discography and then all of a sudden, oh, deluxe edition with four new songs comes out. And it's like, I'm not going to buy this again just for four new songs. I'll listen to it on Spotify or whatever. It just became, uh, to me, it was like, it was very exploitative to do that. So I, yes. um, (laughs) Yes to all of that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm very conflicted on this. You know, I, I hate it. I hate that Spotify does what they do. Um, you know, the, I, do, yeah. I mean, I, the, the, when your CEO is making, like I said, I've said before in the past, bit like over a billion dollars, you know, something is not right there. Um, and, and then the artists are making what like pittance, you know, um, something isn't right there, but like you said, at the same time, it's hard because, you know, a lot of these people maybe wouldn't have had exposure as much ex- like they're different way of exposing your music out there. I mean, but, but yeah, but there was always other platforms though, too, you know, there's Bandcamp, there's other places to do it, you know, at the same time. So I see it that way as well, you know, and like, I, I know a, a good friend of mine, uh, death weights um, from the death weights band uh, on a uh, TikTok said, uh, you know, Spotify never made anybody. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you, you know, Spotify never, it was never like Spotify blew somebody up. Like they didn't, they not, did they maybe, help give it a platform sure but they never they never made anybody they didn't create anybody they didn't you know make anyone success better really the in the long run i mean it's like you gotta remember it's the artists that do it yeah yeah you know so you got to keep that in the back of your mind but yes at the same time too um it's hard when you have this yeah this model of releasing all these deluxe albums and this and that and just all this extra stuff that you know it's like why do i i don't really want to pay for this album again it's 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 hard you know we're not the economy is shit let's like put it out there right now I mean, the economy is trash right now and it's hard to to get people to you know justify people to pay for stuff like that and i get it you know i, I don't yeah. blame and i don't blame people at the same time you know because we're trying to feed our families and shit man it's like it's hard out there. It's so 
I, I see that side of it too. Like you said, you know, I've been trying to see that side of it too, you know, and it cracks me up too. Like this, this whole Neil Young, Joe Rogan uh, stuff drama. I don't know if you've heard about this whole deal. I did. That yeah. It happened here. You know, it's very, very easy for Neil Young to do that from where he is. It's very, very easy for him to, quote unquote, make a stand when you're already a fucking multimillionaire. Yeah, exactly. It's so easy to do that from your pious fucking like. And I and I say this as a big Neil Young fan. I have always liked Neil Young. I like I love his music. I love. But man, it's like. Do you not see like a little bit of the irony in what you're doing here? You know, I get it. Joe Rogan is a fucking moron and he is, but like, really like, what did you change here? What? Like you're, you said you're really making a statement, but like, are you really making a statement? I think more of a statement would be made if maybe if you donated some of your money to like, vaccine research if you're so fucking like if you're so fucking high and mighty about getting the vaccine right like and you're so against what joe rogan's saying why don't you actually put some actual fucking action into what you're saying instead of oh well look at me i yanked my music off of spotify look how big i am like yeah yeah like do actually do something dude that's not doing anything yeah as uh, you know um being a big Neil Young fan too, <clears throat> it doesn't matter who it is who did this. If you're going to ask me to choose between listening to your music and being able to think for myself, I'm going to choose thinking for myself every time. I don't care what artist it is. And for me, that was the whole heart of the matter was whatever side you're on and whatever side this person's on, if you don't agree with them, you know, it is what it is, but don't force it upon me, you know, to hijack my, you know, my free thinking ability. Yeah, I mean, like, and like I said, I like, I think Joe Rogan's a fucking moron. And I, I, there's like no, for me, there's no getting around that he is, a, he's a moron. But like, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, like I said, it's like, really, really, like Neil Young is just doing this bullshit, um, capitalist leftist, like, fake progressive shit, you know, that I can't stand, that I'm so sick of it, you know, I'm so sick of this, um fake like this um i don't know what do you even call it it's just like oh you know i look at me i took a stand by taking my music off of spotify like no, you didn't do anything what the fuck did you really help here yeah he definitely uh you know keep on rocking in the free world doesn't seem to apply i guess anymore it, it, and it's like yeah like my thing is it's like yeah it, my big thing about that it's like what you did it didn't change anybody's life you didn't help anyone like i said if you really want to change something maybe go fucking donate your money to some fucking vaccine research yeah you know? no totally agree yeah you know like i i don't know it's just to me that i thought that was such a, a dumb situation and like i get what neil young was trying to do but like he, i think he just failed miserably um and i think he just came off looking like a real dummy um throughout the whole thing you know like Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I, and Spotify called his bluff. You know, simple as that. <laughs> yeah, they did. They called his bluff. Fine. Uh, a couple more things. And I don't want to keep you any much longer yet. Um, but um, so 
have you ever thought with like it's kind of i guess bouncing off of that <laughs> giving back um did you have you ever thought of any ways you could give back like with music your music or like is there any strong causes that you believe in at, at all like well um man that's a tough one for me um this might sound like a corny answer but for me is just um because you know i'm a small artist there's not so much there's only so much i can do i mean you know i make next to nothing but just giving up my time of anybody who wants to tell me their story and how my music or music in general has helped them and it's and it's one of those things for me that um i get why people in dms like don't answer people and they ghost people or whatever i get that i get you know you don't know who to trust anymore these days but I try to give of my time of anybody who DMs me and says, Hey man, I love your music. And it helped me through this, help me through that. And as long as they're genuine, you know, um, cause I, I'll, I never want to come off as, as, you know, some sanctimonious jerk or whatever. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, the world doesn't owe me anything. I try to be humble. I try to, I try to be a humble person. And as long as somebody doesn't start, you know, acting weird or whatever, I'll always be uh, reachable. So, I, I guess that's the only thing. I mean, and time is a very precious commodity. So, yeah, again, as corny as that might sound, that's the only way I can answer that is, you know. Oh, I, I love that answer. And I think that's so important. I mean, like, I think there, I get always get torn on this subject of, of answering people, you know, because I, I, again, this is something I see both sides of, like you said. Um, and I, for me personally, love when people interact with me, um, even though I'm an introverted person, like I still love it. Like I love to talk to people about stuff that has, you know, you know, with substantial things, you know, and like stuff like this, you know, like how music, you know, has affected people. And I always love to reach out to people and tell people how my their music has, you know, really made an impact, you know, because I think that's so important because it make to let people know that their art is doing something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think we lose sight of that, you know, and we under, always wonder self-doubt, like, hey, are we, are we even affecting people? Are we even like making an impact? And I think, you know, that sometimes is a really good way of just giving back, you know, it isn't always about money or, or anything. Sometimes it's just about your time and, um, you know, giving your, you know, putting your, your feelings out there about it, you know, and um, it, may, it can make, make people really feel good about themselves. So I, I completely agree with you on that. It's one of my big ways of trying to give back. Um, you know, and doing this, this is my, one of my boys, you know, this is my way, you know, I, I love to get the word out about people because I know how hard it is to stand out nowadays. It is so difficult. Any, in any, and all like forms of sharing, posting on a story, you know, letting other people know the word of mouth, it just helps. Anything helps. So I try to do that. That's my way of trying to do that for people. And I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, it's something I, I really did. I honestly, I think I enjoy it more than making my own music. And I think that's why I don't make as much of my own music. Cause I think, I think I like to help people do with their, with their stuff more than do my own stuff, you know? And that's how I, that's just how I am. You know, I, I it's hard to change that about myself. So, you know, I get it. I understand where you're coming from that, but like, and I also understand the people that don't really have the time to respond to messages. You know, maybe, you know, a lot of people have other things going on, you know, 
maybe they're really focused on their music, their work, you know, and they just, you know, they don't have the mental energy to answer stuff always. And I get that too. And and I try to be empathetic about that. Um, Yeah, no, I I mean, I totally get it too. I lean more on the side of caution when dealing with people, you know, I'm very aloof person. So, uh, but I also like to acknowledge people if they, you know, reach out, like I said earlier. So it is, it, it, it is a tough, uh thing as well and a lot of times i might not even again me just being a small artist might not have the time to really go into things sometimes so sometimes it'll just be on my uh my story like hey thank you to everybody who supported me and giving me feedback sometimes it's just that i mean i've even had people dm me and uh say uh you know you're a sucky guitar player and this out of the other and so like yeah you know whatever are you like, serious I really that's yeah. crazy i've never gotten a dm like that oh my god <laughs> Yeah, I've I've gotten I've gotten a few trolls and you know they've said a few things here or there or whatever and I'm just like you know at the end of the day I don't really care what people think but I appreciate those who uh like what I do so man there's some weird troll accounts out there man I tell you it, it, it almost like creep it, it's very unsettling where some of these come from you know and, and it's like you know like very puzzling to me sometimes I'm just like who are these people like man like is this what they do for a living like yeah man yeah it's fucking weird dude it's so Mm. weird to me i'm like man like is there anything else you do is that just what you do you just find people's videos and just trash them and like it's just it's such weird behavior like love yourself man like like i don't know i don't know what else to say it's just like it just amazes me some of the, the comments that come out on some of these people's videos. I thankfully don't get a lot of them. I once in a blue moon, I get one, but I, you know, it was actually, I got one the other day. It was really funny. It's like a 13 year old, believe it or not. I'm like, first of all, what are you doing on phone? Like when I was 13 years old. I was barely allowed to like use stuff like that. I'm like, damn. Anyway, it was like, I was like one of my, my karate, old karate videos. I was showing people how to do like a crescent kick. And she's like, that's not even how you do it. Right. You're like, you didn't even do it right. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I think my seven years of experience would say otherwise, but okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. Whatever, you know, like, but that's kind of like a no-win situation. You pick a fight with a thirteen-year-old. You, you know, you're like, going right. to be that's way. Why I, that's why I was. Literally, I, I literally responded. I was like, "Dude, you're like thirteen, man," and I like blocked them. <laughs> that was it. I'm like, that's like what, that's am what I? I did. That's yeah. what I did with the person who told me that my guitar playing sucked. I was like, "Well, thank you for letting me live rent-free in your head for a while," and I blocked them. So yeah, like now, like, like I don't understand. I'm not sure what is being <laughs> trying to be accomplished there, but I don't know, man. It's really weird. So finally, one more thing. What advice would you have for other small indie musicians out there? And um, are there any small musicians right now that have really caught your eye? You know, I I think the biggest one is, um, as far as advice, is enjoy the listeners that you have. Realize that they have invested time and maybe even money into listening to you. And, you know, I hope the best for everybody. I want everybody to, you know, get as big as they want to get. Um, But also be realistic about those things. You know, you're not a failure if you're, you know, treading the waters at 50 listeners or, you know. um, And it's real easy to look at it that way if you pay attention to those kind of things. So 
I think that's what it is. Be realistic when you're living from your heart. Cause most of the stuff that we're expressing is, is coming from the heart and yeah, from the head too and experiences, but you know, that's the best advice I could give. Be, be realistic because that protects your heart and your mind more than anything. And as far as other independent artists, I'm really good friends with a guy by the name of raped by wolves. And, um, he came out with, uh, um, his project, I think earlier, uh, early last year, you want to talk about prolific. I think this guy's got twice as much as I have in half the time. Um, so he's, he's a guy that I've known through Instagram that, you know, he and I became pretty good friends and I, and I really like his music. He, he and I kind of do the same thing. Um, another one is, um, forge the sun. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have, oh man, they, they just amaze me as a band. Uh, I really, I talked to Tristan, he and I DM one another and the respect I have for that guy as a guitar player, like I say, I have respect for the whole band, but I'm going to focus more on him because I actually talked to him. I mean, that guy's just, uh, he's a badass man. He's a, he's, he's one hell of a composer and a songwriter and a guitar player. And, and I, and I love the fact that he's versatile and he's, again, he's all about, um, what's best for the song, but that guy, he can melt your face off if he wants to totally can. And he's just a great human being. So, uh, one more that I want to give, um, um, shout out to is, uh, my friend from Australia, Apollo pound. Um, he does more of this folky stuff like towns, Van Zant kind of stuff, which I love towns, Van Zant, but he does this solo acoustic stuff. Um, and, uh, he's got an amazing story to tell as well. I don't want to tell it for him, but, uh, you know, that's up to him, but Apollo pound, another great one to listen to. Oh, awesome. Uh, I always love hearing like other people's recommendations. Then I end up listening to them and maybe reaching out to them too. So oh, I would... I'm sorry. There's, I, I don't mean to interrupt. There's one more oh, um, oh, please. that I just, I just, uh, I even told him today cause I just discovered him today. He reached out to me on TikTok, uh, Mikey from a band called outside in they're from New Zealand. They're a prog band. And, um, I took the time to listen to their album today when I could. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just told him, man, you know, uh, I really dig what you're doing. And I gave him a couple of comparisons of bands that I heard. And I told him, I'm going to mention you if I get asked who I'm listening to, that's an indie artist. You know, I've got this podcast coming up and like, yeah, I'm going to mention you. So hit them as well outside in. From okay. New Zealand. Yeah. You know, and I saw that on your story. Now that I remember now, I just saw that today on your story and I'm going to have to give them a look too. I'm probably just going to end up asking you uh, about who <laughs> I'm going to probably message you later again and be like, who are those guys again? <laughs> Uh, uh yeah because <laughs> i you sure. know remember depression brain uh, hitting <laughs> the depression brain be hitting yeah. these days so but um man uh thank you so much man for for being on I, I really appreciate it um you know so where can we find you you know instagram tiktok whether whatever you know streaming services um everything streaming service is uh entropy in motion or you can find my side project sisanya which all i'm oh. doing there is using mostly samples um just to teach myself how to be a producer there's some instrumentation but it's stylized czna with an n over the n you oh. can find me there um but also on instagram and on tiktok just under entropy and motion music very cool man uh dan thank you so much for for coming on i, I have the utmost respect for you and as a person and as a musician uh you're awesome um 
So I was really happy to get you on and uh, share your story and share, share what you do with your music. So thank you, man. I just want to say too, I'm really grateful for this opportunity and, and just shout out to you for what you're doing for independent artists, man. It's a great thing that you're doing for them. And uh, it's really, um, I think I, I can speak for all of them. It's really great to know that um, somebody out there hears us and wants to kind of put a spotlight on us. So thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And don't worry. I know at some point I'll be invading your podcast too. So <laughs> it, uh, don't don't worry there's gonna be there's gonna be an episode where i i come in so uh, i'm gonna do a run-in like a, like a like a wrestler you know and the chair well, you the, know. The chair shot out of nowhere and <laughs> i actually uh one one more thing i actually a guy from another podcast reached out to me when i first started it and uh uh we were talking and mr bungle california came on so he already said hey when you do that album hmm. i'm in so you know, we're, we're going to have to think of some other album. So <laughs> nice. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but all right, man. Well, you know, again, thank you for this opportunity and, it, it, you know, just really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you all for listening. I uh, appreciate it. Um, thanks for being patient after the, this little bit of a layoff uh, and coming back and listening. So thank you guys. Take care.